This is the Black and Blue Report, presented by SeatGeek. Here are your hosts, Caroline Gonzalez and Ashley Amos. Welcome into another Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. As always, I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'm Ashley Amos. And we are only a few days away from the divisional round playoff game for the New Orleans Saints. We will get all into that today with Peter Schrager, our host from Good Morning Football. He'll be a sideline reporter for this game this weekend. And Ashley, I feel like we've just been running around with our heads cut off around the facility today, trying to get everything done for this last minute, um, last minute to get ready for the game on Sunday. But I'm just so excited. What about you? Uh, gosh, I woke up. I actually on the way to work this morning, I called my dad and my whole family is big Saints fans. And I called my dad and I was like, man, dad, I'm nervous. Like I'm excited, but it's like that Christmas morning feeling, right. you know, the night before Christmas and you're all this anticipation and, um, but no, I mean, I, th- I think one good thing to take away is that I feel like this team is prepared. They're ready to go. Um, but, you know, still just as a fan and as someone who is not on the field and in that locker room, the outside nerves and just good and bad nerves, the excitement for it is uh, definitely present today. Ashley, you've had some pretty cool experiences with playoff game. I mean, you just showed me earlier the foot- the video that everyone's seen of Reggie Bush leading the Houdat chant last year that you were the videographer for, <laughs> which is like so cool. Of course, you can't really, you know, nobody knows who was behind the camera, but that's a memory that you'll have forever. And you were there as a fan in the 06, for the 06 season when the Saints and Eagles matched up in the Superdome for another playoff game. So some exciting playoff experiences experiences for you yeah and the the Saints won that game one memory that sticks out and I think you know obviously Reggie probably what doesn't like to remember this one but it was probably the hardest hit I'd ever witnessed in the history in in my time ever watching football I was there as a fan with my family and he took I believe it was like a screen pass and he just took a hit Mm -hmm. and like for him to get back up after that hit continue to play went on to have a great game and the Saints ended up um, pulling out the victory at home uh, you know, that was a memory I'll never forget. And then obviously, like you said, last year, uh, being a part of the playoffs, you know, I've been so fortunate to be a part of the Saints history in so many ways. Obviously, last year was my first time postseason uh, as an employee. But before that, I, I witnessed the Saints first playoff victory uh, back in the day with Aaron Brooks as at QB. And uh, I was able, I was there in the dome when we won the NFC championship. So I've been really, really fortunate to uh, experience some great things. But definitely last year, hearing that dome when we walked out and when Reggie came out, it was so loud. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievably loud. And that's kind of what I'm expecting on Sunday, too. I'm excited for the Dome to be rocking. Of course, we'll have different perspectives. Uh, You'll be on the field for the game, and I'll be up in the press box. But wherever you are, it is going to be loud. You're probably going to be shaking in your seat if you're even sitting in your seat. But it's going to be a fun experience for sure. We talked about it a little bit with Peter Schrager um, from, as I said, Good Morning Football. We'll talk a little bit about the Pelicans uh, later today, who just took off earlier for their 11-day five-game road trip, which is going to be a doozy for anyone on that road trip but hopefully we'll get some wins out of that um but anything else to add before we go into our interview uh one last thing uh reggie bush just announced on twitter that he will be leading the hoodat chant with a fellow saint legend uh jonathan vilma so i feel like as soon as those guys hit the field Mm -hmm. that place is gonna go crazy and i cannot wait 
What's your outfit? You got you have any black and gold outfits? Oh, of course. Planned? Yeah, I mean, I usually just wear my Saints jacket, but I feel like I have to up it because it's oh, the yeah. playoffs, and so um, I have like a little like kimono th- type thing that's black and gold, and I'm, I'm ready to go. Well, enough about our excitement. We are just one in the large number of people who are looking forward to this Saints versus Eagles matchup. Fans can watch the game at 3.40 p.m. on Fox. As always, there will be a large pregame party in Champion Square. You are encouraged to attend. If you're going to the game or not, make sure you're out there. But we look forward to seeing everyone on Sunday. One of the people we look forward to seeing on Sunday is Peter Schrager. He is a host on Good Morning Football along with our good friend of the show, Kay Adams. He'll be in town this weekend for as a sideline reporter for Fox to host the Saints versus Eagles game. Peter, when do you get into the Crescent City? I just got in, guys, and yeah. I'm already on a 100. I feel awesome. It's an amazing city, and I'm so excited to be here for this game. What, have you been to any restaurants yet, or are you going to dinner anywhere special? I literally special? just got in. The airport was <laughs> lovely. That's all I got. <laughs> well, we're building a new one, so hopefully it's even better. Peter, uh, just to start things off, so you hosted a segment on your show the other day um, with uh, uh, talking about Nick Foles and Drew Brees and how they both both attended Westlake High School in Texas. They were both Super Bowl MVPs, and you also talked about Cal Penn from Harold and Kumar, who is which is one of my favorite movies that I watched in college. <laughs> but I have to know, did you ever meet him? Do you remember him from high school? The premise of the segment was I asked the audience, who is the most famous person from your high school that graduated from your high school? And I went through all the different hosts, and Kay Adams went to the same high school as Michelle Obama. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's pretty really good. (laughs) Pretty good, right? That's pretty good. And the fact that there are two Super Bowl MVPs, 10 years apart, who went to the same high school, and not one of these football powerhouse high schools, but like a normal high school that anyone would would go to, I thought was just fascinating. Mm-hmm. And yes, Cal Penn, who's the actor who plays Kumar on uh, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, went to the same high school as me. He is significantly older. <laughs> I think he's like five or six years older than me. Never have met him, never have connected with him. But uh, I thought it was worthy of, of giving the shot. Guys, can I ask you, both of you, who's the most <laughs> famous person who went to your respective high schools? I'll go first since mine is not as exciting, but um, actually the girl who plays the sister in Dexter, uh, the TV show, she went to my high school in Louisville, Kentucky. Love it. Yes, at Sacred Heart Academy. Shout out. Uh, um, I went to school with Post Malone. We did go to school together, uh, but we ran in slightly different circles. So I don't really remember him or anything about him. I just, you know, remember he was another wannabe rapper from high school. And, you know, I guess that worked out for him pretty well. (laughs) But is that not crazy, though, that like, you know, there's a million high schools and maybe the number one hip hop artist, I mean, whatever your your taste is. Right. But at one of the top 10 most successful went to the same high school at the same time as you. It's wild. Now imagine two different Super Bowl MVPs. It's pretty crazy. So I love that storyline in this game. And the fact that they don't really know each other that well, like it wasn't one of these things like, oh, yeah, our parents are friends. It was every quote out of Breeze this week has been like, yeah, yeah, I had a reunion and, you know, Foles was playing and that was cool. And I really think he's doing a great job. And Foles' this whole deal is like, well, of course I know Drew Breeze, but it doesn't seem like they're two silly guys. Wait. known each other since childhood. It's pretty wild. 
So, Peter, speaking of the Super Bowl, on September 6th, so we went back in your tweets, and I believe you <laughs> pinned this tweet, actually. Um, you yeah. said that you had the Rams over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Obviously, things were different at the beginning of the season. Obviously, some things changed with the Chiefs, et cetera. Um, do you, are you still going with that? Nobody had ever seen Patrick Mahomes throw a regular season pass, and I went with it, and it was viewed as the craziest thing, but... Mm-hmm. I was excited. I was excited about him because I, I, I did a couple of stuff in the training camp and preseason and knew. I know Saints fans listening are like, who's this screwball not picking us? <laughs> uh, I went with the Rams. I don't think anyone can beat the Saints in the Dome. Hmm. We'll see what happens, but I'll just leave it at that. I don't want the Rams fans coming after me. I, I find it very hard to imagine any team, but crazier things have happened. This Eagles run has been insane, and if that happened on Sunday, I would be shocked in a way that it was going against everything in my brain, but it would just show that Nick Foles is playing with some other kind of magic right now. Well, we've seen uh, multiple storylines going into this game, but one big storyline is that the Saints defeated the Eagles in Week 11 by a whopping amount. But, of course, these two teams are completely different teams. But it seems like it's only one or two players. You have Darren Sproles, who is back, and then a changing quarterback in Nick Foles. But what is it about Nick Foles that makes him the X factor for this Eagles offense? Carson Wentz throws a better football. Carson Wentz is more athletic. Carson Wentz uh, is the far greater athlete, yet Nick Foles just wins games. And he's got this thing where, He's already gotten to the top of the mountain. He's won a Super Bowl MVP, and these guys believe in it. If you talk to a lot of football people, and I put that in quotes, but football people, they'll say, well, look, obviously the offensive line's healthier. Darren Sproles and Golden Tate are, are playing at their best now. They weren't there for Wentz. I throw all that out the window. When a team is believing in their quarterback, anything is possible. Drew Brees was on a lot of Saints teams that didn't have the same ability uh, on the roster that the team they were playing were, and they would find a way to win. And it was because that team would do anything and would believe in Drew Brees that could take them there. I feel like Nick Foles has the same thing going right now. Not just the players, the fans, and even the organization seems to be galvanized by Nick Foles. It's one of the beautiful things about this sport. It's not X's and O's. Mm-hmm. It's kind of intangible stuff, and any human can relate to a great story like Foles. And he's got them believing in him. I feel like if I led my team to a Super Bowl championship or to a Super Bowl victory, uh, some people might have some confidence in me too. I feel like if I was being <laughs> led by that guy, then I would feel pretty confident with him on my field. Isn't it crazy that he does all that and then pretty humbly and pretty understandably says, it's okay, I'll be the backup quarterback, right. and never throws a stink, never does anything that's so you know selfish. And then, of course, he gets his opportunity, and here we go. It's a wild story. I don't know Foles that well. I've met him probably four or five times. He doesn't come across as one of the most interesting or fascinating people. He's pretty humble. He's to himself. He's a man of faith. But, my God, do they, do they follow him. They love him in that building. And whatever he does, it works for the Eagles. So on the other side of the ball, um, for the Saints defense, what is going to be their key to stopping Nick Foles and uh, Darren Sproles, especially as one of the most electric players in the game? Yeah, I looked it up. This seems to be Sproles' first game back in the Superdome since he was on the Saints. Mm -hmm. Um, That's going to be an emotional one for him because he didn't play the first time they played this year. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Foles throws up a few passes where he gives you a shot to intercept them. He did it in the Super Bowl, certainly did it last week. He did throw two interceptions. There could have been several others. So he'll give you a shot, and that defensive backfield is playing really well. You know, the, the Saints... Ohio State thing that they've got with Eli Apple and Marshawn Lattimore and Vaughn Bell 
And all those guys in the back in the defensive uh, backfield, they're really playing at an elite level all season long. So I think they're going to have an opportunity to uh, take advantage of Nick Foles' carelessness. He does get a little reckless, but you have to take advantage of that because he doesn't give you too many, but he'll give you a couple. So the same guys as always, Cam Jordan, Rankins, Davenport, get to the quarterback and then rely on those good defensive backs to make Nick Foles pay when he makes a mistake. So when you look at this game, obviously, uh, like Caroline mentioned, uh, the Saints had a blowout win uh, during the season, 48-7, to I believe, was the score. Uh, you look at that, and what kind of motivation does that add to a team? But then on the other side of the ball, you're coming into the Saints' home. Like, this is they're the number one seed. There's this buzz around the city. Do you think... I guess, I, do you think it will be a closer game? Do you think that motivation where it's kind of, you know, leave it all out on the field, it's all or nothing, will motivate the Eagles team to go out and score more, especially after getting beat so bad in the season? Do you think the Saints use that as motivation and having that home crowd? What, what, what direction do you see the advantage arrow going? It's a good question because I watched that game back yesterday. I'm the sick guy who says, oh, they're playing again? I'll just watch the entire game back. <laughs> it was as one-sided a victory as any in the league, and the Saints just wiped to the floor with them. And it was crazy because it was a nationally televised game. The entire country saw it. Buck and Aikman are on the call. It felt as big as it possibly could, and the dome was alive. And yet it's hard for me to think that game is a precursor for this one because there are so many differences on the Eagles' side of the ball. Mm-hmm. The fact that Nick Foles is the quarterback, the fact that they've gone into L.A., the fact that they beat the Bears in Chicago, like they're a different team now. So, yes, is that, is that somewhere in everyone's mind? Of course, but I think when they take the field, the bigger thing that's going to matter is how can they handle that Superdome crowd because, like you said, there's something special this season about the Saints team and the Saints fan base. And I know they lost week one to the Buccaneers, but I'll wash that away. The last seven games they've played at home have just been electric, and that fan base on a Sunday night after they've been – partying Saturday and all day Sunday watching other teams play. I don't know. I wouldn't want to be coming into the Dome on Sunday as a visiting team. Wow, I don't think you've pinpointed the New Orleans culture at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've done a few Saints games, and, and there's a difference when they're at 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and at nighttime. And I think the nighttime gives the Saints a, a distinct advantage. <laughs> Absolutely. Peter, if you had to pinpoint one thing, we'll, we'll say for both teams, for the Saints and Eagles, to say if you do this, you will win this divisional playoff game, what would it be for both teams? This is, sounds like a tall, tall order and a tall task for the Eagles. But if the Eagles can escape the first quarter without getting the doors blown off and the Eagles can find a way to be down one score with about two minutes left, Nick Foles will get it done. And that's the, that's wow. the bottom line. Nick mm-hmm. Foles will get it done if they, cu- if they keep it within four or five or three, and he's got the ball in his hands, he'll find a way. But that's going to be a tall order because I feel like the Saints are going to come right out of the tunnel and come just hit the ground running, and this could be 21 nothing before we even, we even get settled for this one. For the Saints, I, to me, it, it's simple. It's just play the same exact football that you've been playing all year long and do not let the bye week – lead to any rust or anything where you're saying, oh, well, week 17, we didn't play our starters. Just come out refreshed and play that same Sean Payton, uh, balls to the wall, wheels on fire, the same football they always play, and especially at home in the playoffs. I feel like the Saints are bound for a very special run here. We'll know after the first quarter if the Eagles have a shot. 
Well, we hope that's how it goes here over here at the Saints, but we'll definitely see. He's very excited for the game on Sunday. So now I'm not trying to put you on blast on this podcast. I don't want it to seem like that. But I do have to mention that you did tweet out that you believe Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the season. And we all can agree that Patrick Mahomes is a freak of nature. Like you said, no one had ever seen him throw a pass before you, you know, made the call earlier on in the season. Uh, but, you know, also, on the other side of the ball, Drew, or, you know, the other quarterback, Drew Brees, all-time passing leader, breaks the record this year. He's having quite the season, too. What is the edge for Patrick over uh, our guy over here, Drew? Hey, look, I'm, I'm the biggest Drew Brees fan you'll ever meet. I love Drew Brees. I remember covering games for Drew Brees when he was on the San Diego Chargers and loved the men, and even before that, Purdue. This is nothing against Drew Brees. Patrick Mahomes had a historic season where he threw for 50 touchdown passes and 5,000 yards for the best team in his conference. He took over a team that was pretty good last year, made them amazing this year. And if I had to fill out a ballot, I don't have a ballot. I would have Mahomes 1, Breeze 2, Andrew Luck 3. And I think if any of those three guys win, I wouldn't bat an eye. I am a big Drew Breeze guy. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I would love nothing more than to see him hoist that Lombardi trophy again. But if I had to put an MVP vote this year, I'm going with Patrick Mahomes over Drew Brees for reasons of everything from electricity to the fact that we've never seen anything like that before from a first-year starter. Peter, you have two full days in New Orleans. I hope you don't catch one of our uh, listeners on Bourbon Street. You might, you might run into some problems. <laughs> you think so? I feel like I've been pretty positive. No, I don't want bad problems here. <laughs> no, we hope over these next few days you enjoy all the things that this beautiful city has to offer. I love being here. I love being in that dome, and I've never been in the dome for a playoff game. So this is one of the few things in my career I haven't had the opportunity to do, and I cannot wait to be in attendance, and I'll be on the sidelines. If you're listening to the podcast and you see me, feel free to say hello. Well, Peter, I can guarantee that this experience will be life-changing for you. So <laughs> I'm fired up. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Peter, we will see you on the sideline on Sunday, as can the fans, and we look forward to it. Uh, kickoff again is at 3.40 p.m. on Sunday. If you're not in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, we hope to see – we expect to for you to be watching on TV. Peter, thank you again so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. You're awesome. Love the work you do, and I appreciate you inviting me on as a guest. Of course. Very excited to see Peter on the sidelines during Sunday's game. Of course, we hope for a great outcome for the Saints. Expect a great outcome for the Saints this weekend. But moving on to the other side of the parking lot, as we like to say, the Pelicans just left for, as I said, 11-day, five-game road trip. Ashley, you've been on one of these before, so you know how trying these road trips are. <laughs> so you know the exhaustion that's about to come for anyone who's on this road trip. But the Pelicans are going to face off against a Minnesota Timber, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Los Angeles Clippers, Golden State Warriors, Portland Trailblazers, and then finally they'll go to Memphis to wrap up that road trip, trip which Ooh. is just a doozy. It is quite a doozy. The schedule gods were not kind to us uh, over there uh, on the Pelican side. You know, I, you mentioned the, the long trip. The one good thing going into this road trip is that you have, number one, the momentum, uh, coming off a three-win uh, uh, three excuse me, a three-game winning streak. And uh, so you have that momentum going into the trip, which definitely helps propel. You know, you're not coming off a loss. You're coming off three wins. You're, you're moving in the right direction. You have Alfred Payton back. Uh, you, you know, you feel like you really need to make a run. And honestly, the Pelicans have to make a run. Like, mm -hmm. they don't really have a choice. This, this could be really a make-or-break 
road trip for the Pelicans if they want to stay in the playoff picture. They cannot afford to go 0-5. Of course, you mentioned the playoff picture as we approach a Minnesota Timberwolves team who everyone knows just fired their head coach and president, Tom Thibodeau, Thibodeau, um, and now they have Ryan Saunders. I don't know if you saw the video of him after they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder on, I believe it was Tuesday night. Um, The team just in the locker room showered him with water bottles and were so excited for him, presented him the game ball. So I'm kind of wondering, um, you know, if this Minnesota basketball team has the fire under them now uh you know they have a new head coach they're kind of have revamped their program they've gotten rid of the jimmy butlers the tom Mm -hmm. thibodeau so they've kind of gotten rid of all of the distractions so i'm interested to see uh what happens the remainder of the season with the minnesota timberwolves yeah you know i think you bring up a great point and i think that sometimes in a season like this you need a spark you know you are an athlete you understand that sometimes if things aren't just going right you need something a mix-up and but i'd also argue that if the Minnesota Timberwolves are kind of riding a spark, I think the New Orleans Pelicans are also riding that spark. You look at, with Alfred Payton being back in the lineup, the Pelicans are 9-2. and two. Can I repeat that? 9-2. <laughs> and two. So that makes you wonder the, the what-if, the what-if scenarios, of course, which we seem to always have to do with this Pelicans team because we seem to be so injury-prone and have just the worst luck in the world. But, you know... W- you have to be excited with the direction they're moving and hopefully the Pelicans can continue. I mean, you look at this road trip. I think you have to win at least three, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I mean, obviously you want all five, but being realistic, you know, going into golden state, it's a hard place to play at home. Mm-hmm. Portland. I mean, Clipper, I mean, all, all of these teams are, it's not an easy win. And you know, the, the Pelicans have already lost to Minnesota this season. So, you know, it's looking at this picture, it's nef- definitely not like, Oh, these are going to be five W's. Right. But, you know, I think if the Pelicans can ride the momentum, get three wins, one thing that you did, you talked about this road trip being exhausting, but the good thing about this, road trip is that it's spaced out mm-hmm. you get um you don't play any back-to-backs mm-hmm. which is so different from prior years which those are just so difficult when you're going from minnesota to la and a back-to-back or you know la to golden state or golden state to portland you know you and then you have to play the next day at least the guys will have time to get acclimated they won't have to go and play that back-to-back schedule which makes the nba so hard which is why the nba has adjusted the schedule to make it a little bit easier on the guys you were on that minnesota trip to begin the season right Mm -hmm. yeah 13 degrees was the temperature last night I checked on my Amazon Alexa which I have mentioned that I never really (laughs) use anymore but I was curious as to what the temperature was 13 degrees I've never been in 13 degree weather um so I was in Minnesota last year when it was negative 10 um so the great thing about Minnesota is though you don't ever have to go outside Mm. because everywhere is connected by tunnels so you literally just walk through the tunnels. Like you never really go outside. You walk outside for approximately 0.2 seconds to get on the bus. And other than that, you can ride the tunnels to the gym. You can go to the restaurants. Starbucks is right there. It's uh, cross over the tunnel to get to the arena. Mm-hmm. Literally, you don't ever have to step foot outside if you don't want to. Um, if you want more of an in-depth uh, analysis on this five-game road trip, make sure you watch the Pelicans preview with uh, Daniel Salerson and Jim Eichenhofer. But what, a couple of the storylines that I'm looking forward to on this uh, this road trip is AD versus Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. I love watching that matchup. And then we're just going to skip over the Clippers game. That you know, the Clippers have been playing well mm-hmm. uh, this season, kind of surprisingly. But um, and then the Pelicans go to the Golden State Warriors, and Demarcus Cousins is apparently one game away 
from or a few games away now from returning i think he's supposed to return the game after ours which yes. i was kind of surprised by i would think he would circle our game on his calendar and come hey, back maybe maybe he did the doctors just said no go yeah you know? yeah we'll see so um you know of course playing golden state is always a fun game to watch and maybe not a fun tough game to play yeah tough environment over there in oracle yeah, uh, a lot of games of runs. You're definitely going to have to get your lungs under you on that game. And then the Pelicans go to the Portland Trailblazers, which... Such a difficult place to win. Mm. Such yep. a difficult place. I mean, obviously we made it look easy last year in the playoffs, but <laughs> before that we were like 0-8 or 0-9 at their place or something, cra- something crazy like that. It was very difficult to win there. So obviously we made it look a little easy in the playoffs, but that atmosphere, that fan base, it's it's a crazy place. And I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the Pelicans are always, not always, maybe for the next two to three years, there's going to be, kind of be that rivalry there. There's always oh, going to be 100%. that history of y'all swept us in the playoffs. Now we have something to prove and we're going to come out and we're going to prove that we're better than y'all now. If you don't think Lillard like marks it on his mm-hmm. count and makes sure he brings his A++ game, like there's no way because he got, I mean, they frankly got embarrassed last season in the playoffs by this Pelicans team. So if I'm them, I would be circling it too because he got a lot, he got a you know, a lot of people were talking about him and being like, oh, Damien, you know, Lord, maybe he's not the guy we thought he was. And, you know, obviously you have to credit the Pelicans, too. They were de- defensively were outstanding. And, you know, credit Drew Holiday. We had to both him and AD make the all defensive team last year. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely think there's a chip on their shoulder when they're playing us for sure. And then the Pelicans head uh, to Memphis to wrap up that road trip. And we have to talk about Frank Jackson because the last game against Memphis, Frank Jackson scored a career-high 17 points off the bench for the Pelicans. He's just playing phenomenally. I was hoping you would bring him up. I am so excited for him. You know, he has obviously gone through injury, you know, has the ankle injury right away when we first, when the Pelicans first get him, kind of rehabs back, is kind of in a place and then gets hurt again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked to him before and he said, you know, Ashley, like I've never experienced an injury in my lifetime like this, where you have to basically sit out a year and rehab and get to the place. So to see him like playing with confidence on the court, like not being afraid to take the three, uh, driving to the basket, that's the grit and the type of guy the Pelicans have been missing. And I, I said at the beginning of when we started this show that he has the ability to be the X factor. And I think we're starting to see it right now. Absolutely. Very excited to see all of the games that the Pelicans have in store. We will talk again before the final game um, against Memphis. We do have such a long time. That's such a long road trip. But we will speak um, to everyone before that Memphis game. excuse me, before the Portland game. But again, the Pelicans are going to be at the Minnesota Timberwolves. That game is Saturday at 7 p.m. Central in the Target Center. You can watch that game on Fox Sports New Orleans, as always, as well as WRNO 99.5 FM. Um, and then the Pelicans go to the Los Angeles Clippers. That game is at mon- on Monday at 9.30 p.m. in the Staples Center. And then Pelicans at Golden State Warriors Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. That game will be on Fox Sports New Orleans, as well as ESPN. Um, along with the following game, Pelicans at Portland Dra- Trailblazers Friday at 9.30 p.m. A lot of late-night games for the Pelicans. West so, Coast, man. yep, got to drink your coffee, stay up, and watch the Pelicans. Um, exciting times. Uh, you know, I, I spewed off a lot of games because there are a lot of games before we speak again. But make sure you go to pelicans.com and check the schedule. And uh, as always, listen on WRNO 99.5 FM. Ashley, uh, exciting times for both the Saints and the Pelicans. I can't wait for the Dome on Saturday. 
Sunday, and I'm excited to watch the Pelicans tomorrow in Minnesota. Hopefully the next time we talk, it will be filled with lots of wins Mm -hmm. and lots of great things to talk about. All W's. Every time I say W, I think of that game where Jameis Winston ate his W, which was like (laughs) the weirdest thing of all time, but I can't stop thinking of that. Now, now you've really ruined it for me. <laughs> that term no longer is kind of weird. Well, thanks to all of our fans who are listening. We will catch up before the Portland Trailblazers game next week. So long for just a while.